Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to this very special episode of the ELT Upgraders podcast with myself, uh, JC. In this podcast, we have a very uh, special guest live all the way from Belfast, um, the Queen's University there in Northern Ireland. We have Dr. Carolyn Lintz, who is a senior lecturer and researcher there at the university. She's also a teacher, teacher trainer, and has authored a variety of different uh, young learner and very young learner course books. She kicked off her career as a kindergarten teacher in Mexico City. She's worked in the USA, American Samoa, the Baltic Republics, Belarus, Korea, Northern Ireland. And she's given workshops all over the world, including Bahrain, Oman, China, Ukraine, Peru, Guatemala, Tunisia. Uh, the list uh, go, goes on. So we're very lucky to have Carolyn with us today. And she's going to be talking about her research and particular some key areas for the early years development of not only language, but other sort of key areas uh, of development. And this has come out of her research of her doctorate, uh, which she did from the Harvard Graduate School of Education there in the US. So she's going to talk about four key areas of development, so cognitive development, physical development, creative development, and socio-emotional development. She'll let us know what all these things mean in the context of early years child development, and also some sort of tips, ideas about how you can go about teaching these four development areas in your classrooms. So without further ado, let's have a listen to the interview with with Carolyn. Okay, uh, Carolyn, so the first question, what is cognitive development? Cognitive development is basically learning how to think. It's organizing, it's remembering, it's patterns. As far, the easiest way to think about it is, think about a very young child, well, even older children and sometimes husbands or wives, um, when you say, where are my socks? Oh, I don't remember. Oh, they're in the drawer. Oh, no, they're not. Oh, yes, they are. Oh, no, they're not. And then you go and say, oh, yes, they are. Here they are. So this is this example of socks is something that most parents go through with their children on a daily basis. And they're learning a couple of things here. They're learning to remember where it belongs. They're learning to remember where it's placed. And that's part of learning how to think. And organization is, and patterns is also extremely important because everything that we do when we read is based on patterns. And let me give you a couple of examples of activities that help children learn how to think and help children develop cognitively. If you're giving children, for example, different colored buttons and they're sorting them according to color, or they're sorting them according to shape, that's helping them learn how to organize information. 
And that organizing information and remembering where things go and where they can be grouped together is pre-reading development. So all of this organization, all of this patterning is getting kids ready to think, getting kids ready to read. Brilliant. Fantastic. So, yeah, moving on to the second development area, what is socio-emotional development? Social-emotional development has to do with feelings and relationships. And before I sort of go into too much detail about and it's basically learning how to have bonds with one another, learning culturally appropriate eye contact, learning about how to get along with family members and friends, learning how to share, learning how to think about other people's feelings. And these are the things that children develop. It's sort of moving from beyond the terrible twos and the tantrums to really learning how to pay attention in a way that you feel comfortable with others. Now, with social-emotional development, people often immediately say, well, if children are having trouble developing socially and emotionally, maybe they have some very serious problems. And this is where I like to put in a warning label. The warning label I like to put in is one having to do with sleep. And children, very young children, need a great deal of sleep. If children are not waking up on their own in the morning or if they're tired, they're going to have far more difficulty developing socially emotionally. So when you're looking at how kids are relating to others, how they're expressing their feelings, whether they're having a lot of outbursts, this is part of normal development. And if they're having trouble with this, then the first thing to look at is, are they sleep-deprived? And it may sound... It may, it may sound very simplistic, but especially in Asia, this is a, a very serious problem, especially as children get older. And there are a lot of activities that you can do to help children develop socially, emotionally. You can have them do feeling pictures. You can have them actually cut out pictures from flyers. There are not as many magazines as there used to be, and one good source of magazine pictures still are the in-flight magazines. And a good way to get children to talk about their feelings is to have them cut out pictures of people and then sort them. They can either sort them on the table or they can sort them in a pocket chart, but basically sort them And this way, they're looking at both their emotional development as well as their cognitive development. Okay, great. And was this actually the socio-emotional side, was that how you sort of integrated the values also into your new Doodletown series? Is that the basis of uh, integrating the values? Well, yes, it basically is the basis of, of integrating the values. Values are part of social-emotional development. And we were very careful. Well, two things about social-emotional development and values. One thing about social-emotional development is that in many Western countries, it's appropriate for children to actually look directly and make direct eye contact with adults. 
in Asia, when you're looking at values and you're looking at the respect for elders, again, we're looking at how to, to express respect, but also within a cultural context that it wouldn't be as straight eye-to-eyeball contact that you would expect in many Western cultures. Mm. So, yes, this is embedded in values, but whenever we talk about values, we try to talk about universal values taking into account the different cultures where Doodletown is used. Mm, Thanks. So moving on to the third area of development, creative development. What is creative development, and can you give us some examples of some activities? Creative development is basically figuring out how to put things together in new and novel ways. For example, coming up, if you are looking at a puppet, and if you're looking at Doodle Bunny, for example, and you're basically saying to the children, what is something silly Doodle Bunny could say? What is, and then they're having to basically take all of their information, put it together, and come up with something new and different. When we have a lot of work with Rebus pictures where children come up with their own verse of a, of a story or of a song or finger play, that's, again, recombining information in their own ways. Another really good example of creativity is giving children materials and letting them create whatever they like. Again, it's recombining things in new and novel ways, and that's sort of an example of creativity. That's in contrast to following preset patterns. Mm. Right, right, right. And the whole area of of, of doodling that, uh, again, you integrated into your new course is is the sort of the main factor or the main aspect behind that creative development, or does that span across all those other well, development there, areas? There are two. Yes, and yes, that does include creative development. It's basically figuring out how to put new and novel drawings and doodles together. But also, what's very important about doodling and is that doodling also gets us to our next area of development, and that's physical development. Oh, right. And actually, when you're doodling, and one thing that we recommend in a lot of the learning centers, you'll notice throughout the course that there are writing instruments of different diameters. And what that helps is children starting to develop their fine or small motor skills. So when you're doodling, you're... You can actually be copying something, which you're copying a pattern, or you can be creating your own. And we really like children to experiment with as many different writing instruments as possible so that they can develop their fine motor skills. So, again, these areas of cognitive development are not mutually exclusive. They overlap. So do you need to add anything on the physical development side? Yes, also large. The other thing about physical development that's very important is children develop both small motors and large motors. Large motors are more using your whole limbs, walking, running, and 
what we do include is a tried and true method throughout, and that's total physical response. And children can respond to language while at the same time developing their large and small motors. That's why you'll notice that there are actions and motions to go with most of the songs and finger plays. That also helps with language development because children are then internalizing the language receptively, even though they might not be able to express themselves. Wonderful, wonderful. So can I just ask you again, so what's the difference between large motor and and, uh, small motor skills? Your large motors are your your big limbs, like your arms, your legs, um, moving your head. Your small or fine motors are more like your finger pinch, your sort of pinching fingers, okay. your movement of your fingers. So those would be your small motors. Ah, I got you. Okay. This podcast was brought to you by Macmillan Education Asia and the ELT Upgraders.